Welcome to episode two of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. I'm here with Josh and Matt again. And last week we gave you all of our Eastern Conference predictions. Uh, this week we're going to tackle the Western Conference round robin. Uh, and we got some big news as well, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So, uh, Josh, what have you been up to since we recorded last? Uh, you know, not a whole lot. Just trying to figure out what the next couple months are going to look like for me in a personal and hockey sense, you know, with everything going on. So certainly an interesting time and watching everything develop as it has. It's a really odd, but also cool time to be a hockey fan. Absolutely. is. And Matt, what about you? What have you been doing? Yeah, just the same as Josh, just wondering what the future of hockey holds and excited to get hockey back up and running and just hoping that everything is smooth sailing from here on out so we can uh, reach the Stanley Cup finals in October. Absolutely. Um, yes, sir. So uh, here, here's the biggest news we've got since probably the break started. NHL Seattle is no longer NHL Seattle. They finally have a name for their franchise, the Seattle Kraken. Personally, I think that's one of the most badass names they could have picked. Um, the logo is great. The uniforms are great. I, I've got no complaints whatsoever. Um, so, Matt, I just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, you know, what do you think, Seattle Kraken, yay or nay? Yeah, for me, I, I like the name. I like I don't know if I, I didn't pay too much attention to it, but it was between the Kraken and the Sox guys. And for me, it was a no brainer because the Kraken just sounds like you said, badass. I just, I like the name. I like the logo. It looks, it looks well done. They've, the NHL has done really well in the past two uh, expansion drafts with uh, Vegas and now Seattle. I just looking at the Jersey and everything, looking at the logo, it's, I really like it. And I think it attracted fans because the, act, the ownership and everything actually took into consideration what the fans wanted, and I really like it. Yeah. No, I, I think that the NHL and the Seattle franchise as a whole has absolutely nailed this thing since day one. Kraken's a great name. It's distinctive. I get that it's polarizing, but again, there's a whole fun factor here uh, that is completely being ignored. And you can say what you want about the name, whatever. But the jersey design is impeccable, great detail, great callbacks to the old Metropolitan Unis of the 1910s. That whole Space Needle and the secondary logo thing of that anchor, so cool. Uh, they've surrounded themselves with a lot of great people and Ron Francis, uh, Alexander Mandricki. Uh, it's going to be a great, great next couple of years for that team. And, you know... No better way to win over a wacky fan base in the Pacific Northwest than with a wacky name. So good on Seattle for, again, listening to their fans like Matt brought up and really, really excited to see what other things that team has up their sleeve. I also like that it it's a cool name when uh, you can say you are uh, you have to go down and battle in the crack house. That'll, that'll <laughs> Yeah, totally. So uh, let's get into our, our predictions for the, for the Western Conference. Edmonton, Chicago, so ought to be a, a fun series to watch. You've got the remnants of a tremendous dynasty in Chicago with Taze, Kane, and Duncan Keith all there. And then Corey Crawford, still still their goalie. Uh, and then Edmonton's kind of – it looks like they're start, starting to finally figure things out. You've got a generational talent in Connor McDavid and an awesome second-line center in Leon Dreisel. They're arguably the best duo in the NHL, and I've been a fan of theirs for quite some time. Uh, so, Josh, uh, what are your thoughts, Edmonton versus Chicago? Who's going to pull out the, over the next couple of weeks? I'm going to explain my thoughts first before I give to, give my prediction, just as to not alienate everybody off the bat. Uh, so, 
let's have a little chat about goaltending because I, I think that's the thing that's going to make or break this series. And more specifically, Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford, if he's healthy, is going to be the best goalie in this series, hands down. Edmonton has got a really nice platoon going with Koskinen and Smith. I'm personally a huge Miko Koskinen fan, and we've all seen what Mike Smith can do in the playoffs, right? Stood on his head for Calgary last year when the rest of the team just decided to not show up at all, and they still lost in five because, quite frankly, that's how poorly Calgary played in the playoffs. But that was certainly not to Mike Smith's fault at all and what he did with the Coyotes back in 2012 getting them to the conference final. So you know Mike Smith has it in him, but he's old and had a kind of concerning regular season. So you don't know if he's still got it. So goaltending is going to kind of make or break this series. Uh, so let's move to the offense here. I mean, Duncan Keith, Adam Bockfist, Connor Murphy, and Calvin DeHaan on the Blackhawks trying to stop units of Nuge McDavid Cassian and Ennis Dreisaitl Yamamoto. That does not happen in any alternate universe. Edmonton is going to completely walk over if utilized, right? Especially with what Tippett's been able to do with having McDavid and Dreisaitl on those separate lines and creating that great chemistry with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. Super happy to see Yamamoto finally making it. Uh, but then you move further down in the lineup. And again, you have some kind of nice names down there, like Andreas Athanasiu, who they acquired at the deadline. If you have either Ennis or Athanasiu down in that third line left wing position, I'm not so sure what they're going to be able to bring to that team slotted alongside Shane and Archibald on that third line. It's not a terribly speedy or offensively gifted line. I like Shane. He gets a lot of crap. I like him. I think he's an okay center, but he's nothing more than that. I like Archibald too, but again, I haven't quite seen from him this year what I saw in him in Arizona that I really like. And then that fourth line, uh, cause for concern. James Neal, great on the power play, terrible everywhere else. Truly, I cannot envision him being any sort of a factor five on five. And I think that's going to give a bit of an advantage to that bottom pairing that Chicago has rolling right now of Olimata and Slater Cuckoo uh, with Seabrook uh, as of today not going to be playing at all, which honestly <laughs> is kind of a blessing in disguise for Chicago because I think if he was utilized in the way I'm afraid Jeremy Carlton would have utilized him in, it would have completely done Chicago in and completely ruined any defensive structure they had to speak of. So I think that Bottom two lines, those bottom two lines for Edmonton could give Chicago a bit of an advantage and kind of help them to stop those two lines. I don't think those two lines are going to get much done at even strength at all. And now you look at Chicago's offense and the way they've had it kind of spread out going in, I think they're kind of sneaky good here. Uh, I like what Colleton's done with them, not with the defense at all. Look what the offense has done, where you have the ability here to have Taves, Kane, and now Kubalik all on three separate lines here. Um, Dabrinkit kind of helping Taves out as Taves starts to decline, but those two have always factored in well together. Saad on that right wing, kind of along for the ride. Not the player he used to be, but still, okay. Uh, Nylander, Strom, and Kane. Strom is a non-factor unless he's with Kane. When Strom is with Kane, he is 
kind of close to being the player he was projected to be. Not quite, but he's definitely a serviceable center when he's playing with Kane. Uh, and then that third line they have going of the former Euler and Kajula, Drake Kajula, with Kubelik and now Kirby Doc. I think that's a sneaky little line that could kind of capitalize on Edmonton's depth issues still. I don't think Edmonton's depth issues are nearly as bad as they used to be. But, man, that line can sneak in and do some damage. Uh, fourth line for Chicago is a non-factor. Highmore, Carpenter, Camp. Ryan Carpenter, good in Vegas, nothing guy anywhere else. Uh, have no confidence in that line to do anything. Uh, so I think that's a non-factor. Uh, but then when you look at the defense that Edmonton is going to try and use to stop that kind of more rolling attack when you spread Taves, Kane, and Kubelik out, it depends on how they utilize him, right? If they roll with Clefbaum and Larson, I have real doubts about Adam Larson's play. I don't like him in a top-pairing role at all. I think he drags Clefbaum down a lot at even strength. And I think those two guys are going to get their signals crossed and have a really hard time stopping that to bring it Taves connection if that ends up being an issue. Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear really like if they roll with those guys as their first pair and not Clefbaum Larson, I think that helps out a little bit. Uh, but I'm not so sure that's the case. And then Chris Russell and Matt Benning. Ugh. Chris Russell, not the player he used to be. Matt Benning, I've really tried hard to like and just have never been able to. I don't think he – neither of those guys bring anything special to the table for me except for Chris Russell's infamous yearly NHL block shot title. And when you take those two things into account, where Chicago's defense is definitely not going to be able to stop Edmonton's offense, but I can certainly see Chicago making a break here and kind of capitalizing on Edmonton's defense more than a lot of people think. And then you look at the goaltending. And if Crawford is the goalie that he was this season and he's healthy, that's a huge advantage. So this is why I said, let me, let me explain myself first. I'm going Chicago in five that is completely contingent on Crawford being healthy. If they have to roll with Subban in all five games and worse, Colin Delia or Kevin Lankinen or one of those guys has to fill in, it's a non-starter. It's Edmonton in three. And I don't think they're going to be very close games at all. But I do think Crawford is that good. He has what it takes. He can steal a few games, uh, especially if Chicago is going to be able to capitalize on a Edmonton defense that I find really hard to read and an unproven Koskinen and a really shaky snake. So I think it's certainly possible that Chicago can get an upset out of the series. A lot more possible than a lot of other people think. I mean, where do I, where do I go from what Josh just said? He pretty much stole it all, but yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to go Edmonton in five. I, I agree with, I agree with Josh. Crawford's a great goalie. He had a great season. You look at his stats, and he definitely stole a few games for the Chicago Blackhawks. And then you look at – I'm going to start by comparing the defense. So when I look at Clefbaum and Larson against Keith and Bokefist, I don't really see any difference. Clefbaum and Larson, they're, they can move the puck up to McDavid and settle. They're good. I'd say they're good in the neutral zone and the D zone as well. I think they're a strong first pairing. And then I think where um, Edmonton comes up big compared to Chicago's defense is where – the second and third pairings are because I look at Nurse and Bear compared to DeHaan and Murphy, and I think I would take Nurse and Bear in a heartbeat. They're looking at Nurse and Bear, I really like the way they played this season. 
Nurse, Nurse is a, a guy who can go out there and create offense from the back end. He can move the puck. Bear is a bit more. Actually, I think Bear is equally good at contributing on offense. I just think he's more adept at playing defense than uh, Nurse is, in my opinion. And then you look at Russell and Benning. Like Josh said, I've never really liked Benning's game, but Russell is a guy that can still block shots, and he plays a sound defensive game, so I really like that. And then looking at the forwards, like Josh said as well, I really like how they have uh, Hayes, Kane, and Kubalik on separate lines. I think they're Jeremy Colleton is definitely getting the most out of what he has to work with. Uh, Kane is still a game breaker. He can. I just look back on all the Stanley Cup runs that they had and all the game-winning overtime goals he scored. He's definitely someone who can still go in there and contribute. And then you look at Taze. He's still really good. I mean, some people doubted him a few seasons ago, but I think he turned it on and he had a great season. Kubelik was astounding this season, putting up 30 goals as a rookie. I really like what he brings to the lineup. And then touching the last thing I'm going to touch base on is just McDavid and Drysdale, like Josh said as well. I think they're the best one-two duo in the entire league. I really like the way McDavid, like McDavid's speed is game-changing. No one can skate as fast as him. And when you have someone like Nugent Hopkins who can feed and pass and dish the puck to him, that's a good start and then Cassian as well just his ability to get under the people's skin and draw penalties and stuff I think that helps especially in the playoffs and then just uh, touching base on goalies as well Crawford it's it's going to be crucial for him to come in and perform well because if McDavid and Drysdale will get it going they're going to be really really tough to stop I like how they kind of have a 1A 1B in Edmonton with Kostinen and Smith um, all right so looking at uh, Chicago, um, we are just talking about Duncan Keith a bit. We look at his Corsi numbers, his relative Corsi. He, he finished this year with a, a .03, or excuse me, not .03, just a .3. And to me, you know, you look back at some of the years when they were on a cup run, and he, w- he was even in the negatives. Um, tw- uh, his best year came the 2014-15 season where he had a 4.1. And he hasn't been able to come really close since then. To me, I see that and I say, you know, he, he's definitely not the same player that he was and he had to carry that defense, but they never had that good of a defense to begin with in a lot of those years. They had some solid players with Keith and Seabrook, but the rest of the defense wasn't, like, you know, wasn't like top tier caliber. But at the same time, they had a very strong forward group. It's incredible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you've forward got, group was, yeah. Yeah, when you've got Taze and Kane leading the way and then you've got like Artemi Panarin, sitting there too Hosa. and yeah Hosa I mean yeah that's just the tip of the iceberg too that that's the way you win championships and although the core of that dynasty is still there with Taze Kane and Keith most of those other players have moved on they're now in other cities and Taze and Kane have gotten older they're still very talented players um I think the only one who's really still on that same level that they were at that time is Kane we've seen a little bit of a decline from Taze not a lot but a little bit and then Keith is, I'd say he's fallen off pretty considerably. And I, I just don't see how they're going to win if they can't stop the Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl onslaught. Because they are just going to bring it every shift of every game. Because this is a position that Edmonton has not been in for a very long time. I can't remember the last time I saw Edmonton in a playoff series before 
McDavid's uh, the first year McDavid brought them that far to the playoffs. So when you look at what they've got on offenses here, they're they're not going to stop. This is a very hungry team. They they need a win, and I don't I don't see a way they they go down to Chicago of all teams. If Corey Crawford gets hot, they absolutely stand more of a chance. But I like Edmonton's defense just a little bit better, and defense does win championships. When you've got that nurse bear combo as your top pairing, that can win you a couple games here and there. Um, especially when you're talking about a team that is as weak defensively as Chicago is. Granted, they have Bachvis coming up, and he's you know he's going to be a good up and comer, but he's not you know a top tier defenseman just yet. So let's give it a little bit. But I think I think Chicago can be good in a few years. I think they can make their way back to where they were. But right now, this is Edmonton series all the way. I do think it's going to go five games. It's going to be hard fought because Edmonton doesn't have that playoff experience. But it's it's still going to be too much for Chicago to handle. I think. Just with the news today that Seabrook isn't even going to play. Keith, you look back at – I look back at the years of 2013, 2000, 2010, 2013, and 2015 and with fond memories because I can remember the top pairing of Keith and Seabrook. And those guys were just – they're at the top of their game. And Keith with his ability to score from the point and then Seabrook with his big hits and also his great booming shot from the point. I just – I really liked it. And as you touch base beforehand, they had guys like maybe not as early as – early on, but they had guys like Panarin and Hosa that they have lost over the years and just their whole, their roster isn't as good anymore. And then when you have guys like Nylander and Strom on the second line, who still haven't really come out as full-time NHLers yet, I think they're still developing and finding their game. I think you look at, you have the best player in the game by far, McDavid, and it's just, I think it'll be a problem for them. Edmonton's the better overall team. I get that. Uh, but, you know, it's five games, anything can happen. And I just think Crawford has that ability. I'm not as high as on Edmonton's defense as a lot of other people are, especially because of the lack of playoff experience. Um, so I definitely see it going either way. I'm not going to hold myself to Chicago after game two and Edmonton's up to nothing. Uh, but, yeah. All right, so looking ahead at the next series on our list, we have the Nashville Predators take on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Taylor Hall leading the Yotes in. Uh, This should be a really fun series to watch, I think, especially from a defensive aspect. Um, Because then you're on the other side, you've got Roman Yossi, and he has had a phenomenal season, not just as a defenseman, but his offensive game always cannot be understated. Uh, So, Josh, uh, your thoughts on Preds and Yotes? It is – these two teams are so incredibly similar, it's not even funny. They're – offenses are laid out almost exactly the same way where their top two lines both really struggle to compete against anybody else's top two lines. Johansson's I really liked him, but he's taken a big step back this year. Christian Dvorak don't have a lot of confidence in like these top two lines aren't great, but because of that, they match up well against each other uh, because they're both, you know, they're, they're trying to be the big ounce offense lines, and they can't really carry that off. Uh, I think both teams have an absolutely stellar third line, some of the best in the league, uh, because it's about it's pretty similar to the talent on their first line. Again, I was talking about this last week with uh, Columbus in Toronto. Like These guys just both have the ability to roll four lines here, and that's 
you know, when both teams can do that, it kind of cancels out. Doesn't really give anyone an advantage over the other, but you know, you're looking at a unit of Kraus, Stepan, and Keller. It's a great third line. Looking at a unit of Grimaldi, Benino, and Craig Smith. Great third line. Fourth lines aren't half bad either. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on that. Just these guys are so similar. Uh, then you look at, I, I, I do think Arizona's offense actually has a bit of an edge here, despite all their issues, just because they have the real big options in Hall and Kessel that if they could break out here and, you know, I think reach a higher ceiling than anyone on the Preds did. And I know Arizona's defense hasn't, it's a great defensive team, even with Ekman Larson kind of having a down year by his standards. Uh, that top four of, you want to call it, Ekman Larson, Demers, Chickern, Goligoski, they're all great. They're not as good as Nashville's, but they're certainly good enough to stop whatever Nashville is going to throw out there. Uh, and I think that bottom pairing of Jalmerson and like Ilya, I can't say his name, Ilya Rybushkin. There we go. Uh, if those guys are just going to shut everyone down and Nashville isn't going to have a prayer. But then you go look at Nashville's defense and see a lot of the same things. Like when those guys in Arizona are trying to get going, but they're having to get going against Yossi, Ellis, Eckholm, and Fabro. That's going to be a real tough matchup. Uh, where I really see Arizona capitalizing is when Nashville's third pairing is on the ice. Nashville is still a great team defensively, not the team they used to be. You know, their third pair is like going to be a rotation of Dan Hamhuis, who is not anything worthwhile anymore. Corbinian Holzer, cool. Jared Tenorti, he's still in the NHL, right? Like their third pairing no one on it. And I think Arizona has a really good chance of capitalizing at even strength whenever those two guys are on the ice. It's going to be a real weak spot for the Preds. And then you look at goaltending, and that, to me, decides the series completely. Kemper, Ronta, you can throw Rask, Kalak in there, Flurry, Leonard. Uh, I think this is the best goaltending duo in the league. Bishop, Kadobin, maybe in there too. Uh, but man, these guys, no matter who you throw out, Kepper and Ronta are going to shut him down. Uh, I don't think the playoff experience really matters. They've been that good, that consistently, for three years in a row now in Arizona. And then when you look at not only uh, the regular season Pecorine had, but a couple of his past playoff performances, and UC Saros, he's cool, he's good, and I think he's going to get the start over Rene as he rightfully should because Rene has not had it this year uh, but he still doesn't match up well against Kemper and Ronta uh, for that reason I'm gonna go Arizona I'm gonna go five games because again these two teams are eerily similar spoiler alert I have every series in this western qualifier going five games all these teams are really close together uh, none more so than these two guys uh, so I think it's gonna again like Brandon said at the beginning defensive matchups, some of the best you're going to see in the entire playoffs. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Arizona, not solely based on goaltending, but it's a pretty heavy factor here for me. So like you already said, the defense is really going to decide this series. Um, and it, it's, it's incredible the defense that both of these franchises have put forward. Um, and I'm just looking at Rene's stats right here. I'm just pulling them up real quick. I think this is really – a bigger aspect of this series than people really give it credit for because we all know that Rene 
or excuse me, Rene has been an exceptional goalie throughout his career. And he's been one of the biggest late round picks in the NHL in my lifetime, as far as, you know, his production on the ice. Um, so you look over his career, he has averaged a 2.42 goals against average with a 0.917 save percentage. So those are great numbers over the course of his career. But you look at the year he had this year, that's a 3.17 goals against and a 0.895. So he's clearly dropping off. He's not the same goalie he used to be. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 37 years old right now. He's, he's very clearly not in his prime anymore. And I know we said a couple of years ago that UC Saros might be the answer, but I don't think he's good enough to get Nashville past the Oats this year. I really don't. I have some big questions about his ability, especially when you look at, like you said, Ranta and Kemper on the other side, because no matter who starts over there, they're going to have a good night. They're, they've been consistently top-notch. Um, and then the Hall and Kessel, more so Kessel, I think is going to play a bigger impact in this series than people envision when they first look at this matchup. Phil Kessel has playoff experience. And who on Arizona can say they have playoff experience? Taylor Hall is a great player. He made one run to the playoffs with, uh, with uh, New Jersey. And other than that, when he's been in the playoffs, he's played for Edmonton and New Jersey, both of whom have never really had good teams while he was there. So I give him all the credit in the world for his talent, but he doesn't have the experience. But that's when you get a guy like Phil Kessel. This is a young team. He can teach those guys how to play and step up in the big moments that requ are required when you're in the playoffs. So I really like um, what I'm seeing from Phil Kessel in Arizona. And I think they, they're really going to run right over Nashville. I mean, I don't necessarily see a sweep, but I probably four games. I don't see this thing going five. So, uh, Matt, that's all I've got. So let's, uh, let's get your thoughts on it. Um, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I like Arizona as a team. I just think this season they couldn't really find their identity as a team. I mean, when you look at guys like Hall and Kessel, they're great players. Like Hall a few years ago won the Hart Trophy with New Jersey with – I think a 93 point season and then Kessel's been a consistent 30 goal producer his whole career I really like Arizona's lineup speaking of the first line Hall, Dvorak, Garland you have a little bit of everything Hall's the fast Hall's a great skater who can uh, cut up the wing drive the net set up Dvorak right in front you got Garland I really like him provides a little bit of grit he can score as well looking at the second line Soderberg, Schmaltz and Kessel I like Soderberg I think he's great defensively he he's a bit of an under the radar player but I think he makes a lot uh, an impact on the lineup every night and then I look at the third line Kraus, Stefan and Keller I in 2016 I thought Keller was going to be a great player he's still a decent NHL player but in my mind he he's definitely not worth what he's being paid I mean I think if you pair him with the right people he could start producing again but just me for me at this time, he's a bit of a disappointment. Hopefully, he can prove me wrong and turn it on in the playoffs. And then looking at the fourth line, Henestrosa, Richardson, and Fisher. I mean, nothing really there. They're they're a great defensive team. They can line. I mean, they can go out there and they can they can grind away and stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't really see them contributing on offense a lot. OEL had a pretty down year. He's still, I think, a great defenseman. He can go in there and provide some offense and pair him with a great defenseman and Demers and you got yourself a solid first line. And then, like Josh said earlier, just the Kemper-Ranta pairing, I 
I think they're one of the best in the league. You throw one of them in there and they can win a game for you. And just their overall, a lot of people a few years ago didn't think any of the those goalies were going to be able to become starters. But I think if you look at the closest 1A, 1B duo in the entire league, it's them. And then looking at Nashville's lineup, I like what they had again. I just seemingly looking back on the trade now, the Jones for Johansson is just looking more and more of a win for Columbus every day. I mean, Johansson's still a good player, but he's definitely not the number one center that I thought that I think most people thought Nashville was getting at the time. Um, Arvidsson had a down year. I mean, he's still a good player, but he's not a, I don't see him becoming that guy that he was a few years ago. Forsberg's still a great player, but if you don't, if he doesn't have line mates to be playing with, I don't think he'll make that much of an impact. He, I really like Benino. He made a solid impact on Pittsburgh a few years ago in their cup runs. Um, I was kind of disappointed to see him leave because I thought Pittsburgh was losing a great player. But he's uh, he's developed a nice role for himself as the third-line center in Nashville. I think Grimaldi's a great player, even though he's really small. I think the smallest player in the league. He can still go in there and contribute. And then trading Subban last season was a bit of a blow to Nashville's defense, but they still have one of arguably the best defensemen in the league in the Norris Trophy finalists in Yossi and then Ellis. He can still move the puck. He's a great offensive defenseman. Ekholm is one of the best defensive defensemen in my mind in the league. He's just a big body in front of the net who can clear the net of any danger and just makes it hard for the other team to actually get anything going in the offensive zone. And then Rene, like you said, Brandon, just he's seventh round goalie. He's Rene's had a great career in net. Um, He's one of the biggest steals in the past 20 years, I think, seventh-round pick. He's been the backbone of uh, Nashville's goaltending for a lot of years now. But I, I think if he doesn't produce in the playoffs, you can you have a solid backup in UC Soros. But um, at the end of the day, I, ha I see if Arizona can get everything together, then winning in five games. Uh, and uh, like I said, it's a very good defensively-minded matchup. Uh, the offense could really be the key here is, you know, we're talking about two offenses that don't really produce a lot, which is kind of weird when you think about how offensive the NHL is right now, uh, how offensively focused. Um, so it, it'll be definitely an interesting series to watch, but uh, I think we all kind of agree that Yotes are the better team in this one. So let's head on to Vancouver and Minnesota. Minnesota has like a just a bland roster to me. That's the, when I see their roster. That's what I see is a bland roster. I don't see a whole lot of players that jump out at you, out out at you. Uh, Fiala and Zuccarello are really the two biggest names I can think of uh, in terms of players that I want to watch. Um, and then you look at what Vancouver's got: Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, two of the biggest young stars in the NHL right now, and a Calder nominee in Quinn Hughes. So I mean, th this roster's looking to be in good shape. Uh, so we're talking about a bunch of older veterans in Minnesota and Vancouver trying to, you know, shift the balance of power in the Pacific Division. Uh, so, Matt, I want to start with you on this one. What are your thoughts on Minnesota and Vancouver in the playoffs this year? Uh, yeah, this is the only series that I don't have in five games. Uh, taking a page out of your book, when I look at Minnesota's roster, I just – I think they're bland, like you just said. Uh, the first line of Greenway, Stahl, and Parise – Oh, my bad. Fiala. Greenway, Stalin, Fiala. Fiala had a great season. He came, he really came out as a player. I just, 
I don't know if he's able to keep that level of production going on. Um, Stahl's had a few good runs. Uh, he's getting up there in age, and I just don't think when it comes down to two hard months of solid playoff hockey that he can be a consistent producer. Greenway's a big forward who can drive the net. He's a big, he's really big. I think he's like six foot four. Um, solid guy, but again, hasn't really made an NHL impact this far. Prize, Erickson, Eck, and Kunin. I like them. Uh, they're a solid line. But again, just looking down their roster, I just, I don't really see anyone that really pops out to me. And I, I'm thinking, oh, that guy's going to be a big uh, problem for Vancouver. And then I look at Vancouver and just, Everywhere up their line, they have someone that can make an off uh, uh, an impact. Just looking at their first line, Pearson, Horvat, and Besser. Besser can uh, put up points. Definitely a solid player. Horvat, their captain. Kind of quiet in the dressing room, but I think it really shows out on the ice. He He's not that guy who's going to go out there and score three or four goals for you in a game, but he's going to be that guy who goes out there and makes sure everyone is playing at their best and just – Keeping all the keeping the glue, he's really the glue of the team. Pearson was a solid acquisition. Um, yeah, Pearson will be able to slot in well with uh, Horvat and Besser. I think they'll have a great first line. And then second line of Miller, Pedersen, and Toffoli. Um, Miller, I don't think anyone saw him making that much of an impact coming over from Tampa Bay. A lot of people um, doubted Jim Benning and said, "Why would you give up a first round pick?" But I think looking back on it now, it's it's a great. He's one of their best players. Um, Pedersen's just a game changer. The way he can see the ice, set up guys, and just the way he dangles in tight. I just he's a great player. And then Toffoli, it's it's really it's really interesting to see how much of an impact he's had in such little time in Vancouver. I mean, he just came over from LA at the trade deadline, but the ability to slot in there and almost be like a second. I wouldn't say a second besser, but a, a guy who can be relied upon to score goals and just be a consistent producer every night. And then um, looking down at the um, bottom six for the Vancouver, I just, I like the bottom six of Vancouver. Um, I look at Roussel and uh, Vertan and those guys are um, always willing to stick up for their teammates and uh, provide a spark, whether that be a big hit or just to taking a hit to make a play and stuff like that. I like Godet just looking at him. His production in the NHL hasn't been what most people expected, but he'll make an impact. Um, and then I look at the fourth line, Beagle's a guy that can go in there and win a, a bunch of draws. He's a great defensive player. And then Erickson hasn't really played to his contract, but again, someone who might be able to go in there and make an impact, depending on if Furling comes back from his concussions. Um, I think he's good good enough to go. He can slot in on that left wing and be a solid player. And then I really like their defense as well. Edler had a great season. No, I don't think anyone expected him to put up the amount of points he did, but he's still proven that he's a solid NHL player. Myers with just his long stick and his ability to, to make defensive plays on a nightly basis. And then Quinn Hughes, Calder Trophy finalist, a guy who can go out there and just make the other, make the opposition look absolutely ridiculous. Set up plays, set up guys like Patterson and Besser in the slot. Um, Chris Tanev, a guy who's always willing to block a shot. I think one of the more underrated shot blockers in the league. And then I look at the third pairing, doesn't really do anything for me. Oscar Fandenberg and Stry Troy Stetcher. I mean, they're, they're, they're solid NHL players, but I don't think they'll make that much of an impact. And then I think the big key for me with Vancouver is just Jacob Markstrom.
he had a I think he was one of the main reasons why Vancouver had such a great season. He's his ability to steal some games really kept them in the playoff race. And then if they if he again he had a knee procedure back in February, but I think he's good to go after months of rehab and time off. But yeah, just to sum things up, I think Vancouver takes this one in four. I'm going to take this the other way. I'm going to go Minnesota in five. So I've got three upsets so far. Uh, and wait until you hear the fourth one. Uh, <laughs> so I agree with you. I look at Minnesota's offense, and I see kind of just a bunch of, here you go, here's some NHL players. Aside from Fiala and Prize, I think Prize has totally come back and kind of was the player he really used to be this year. It's one of the best years he's had in a wild uniform. And I think a lot of people overlook that. And then I look at Vancouver's defense and I see a couple nice pieces. And then again, a bunch of left. I like Hughes. It's actually kind of amazing what he did in spite of being part of kind of a thinner defense that maybe Colorado had with McCarr. Edler can't disagree. I think he's still a great, reliable D-man. Gets a lot of crap that I don't think he should get. Then I look at the rest of that. Myers, he's tall. Cool. Not really that great of a guy. He's good on a third pairing. Okay on a second pairing. Should not be on that first pairing with Edler. Don't like him there. Tanev, block shots. Also injured 75% of the time. And... As good as he used to be, I just think all of that has had a real wear on him. And I see that every time he plays. That he just looks like he is struggling to be on the ice. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I'm with Matt on Van Bergen Stetcher. doesn't do much for me. I like Stetcher. I think he's a bit underappreciated. But when you put him with a guy like Vandenberg, don't think he can do much. So I actually don't think that that Minnesota offense is a terrible matchup for the Vancouver defense. I think they're both kind of on the same plane. And, yeah, they have a couple nice highlights there, but a lot of it is just kind of going to be even between those two. The difference maker, well, we'll see. The difference maker for me here is the defense. Uh, Miller, Pedersen, Toffoli, Pearson, Horvat, Besser. There is not a guy in that Vancouver top six that shouldn't be there. They're all great all suited for their roles, uh, slotted in really well where they should be. Pedersen, great. JT Miller had an amazing season. I think that's a lot of playing with – it's a lot of what playing with Pedersen will do. Uh, and then again, Toffoli loves it in Vancouver. It showed on the ice. He did great. Uh, Pearson, Horvat, Besser, no complaints as a quasi-first line, I, you know. I'm not super knowledgeable about Vancouver. I don't know how much they played, but I, I call Miller Pedersen fully more of a first line than Pearson Horvat Besser, but I'd get how they'd be interchangeable. Depth is where it becomes an issue for me. Uh, when I look at Minnesota, even with a guy like Galchenyuk, I don't see anyone down there who's a real liability. Koivu's struggling at his age, but he's still okay in a fourth line role. Donato, good depth piece. Hartman, good depth piece. Foligno, good depth piece. Yada, yada. There isn't really anyone who sticks out there as maybe a red flag to me. Whereas Vancouver, that fourth line is really worrisome to me. Beagle can be good. 
when put with other great defensive players. He hasn't had that shot. And if you're putting a guy like Beagle with Erickson and like Furland if he's healthy or Tyler Mott, good luck to you, man. That's that's a gaping hole of a fourth line. And I think that's going to cause some problems for them whenever they're on the ice at even strength. It's just not strong. I like Goddett. I like that third line. It's not great, but I like it. Uh, that fourth line is going to cause some issues for me, especially when those first two lines are going to be have to be working their butts off to try and get past Suter, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba. One of the best top four defenses in the league. Spurgeon is so criminally underrated and deserves to be making a lot more money than he is. Suter is still great. Jonas Brodeen is great. I'll go the route that Matt took with Ekholm, one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Uh, Dumba's cool too. And even their third pairing gives me a lot more confidence than Vancouver's does uh, with Carson Soucy and Brad Hunt. Brad Hunt, absolutely nothing else but a power play specialist, but at least he's there. Uh, and, you know, he can get you some good production on the power play. I like Carson Soucy too. I like those guys better than I like Fantenberg and Stetcher. Uh, so, again, you know, based on that, I'd pick Minnesota maybe in less than five. Uh just because of that defense and how Vancouver's going to have some issues with that depth offense and, you know, that kind of fourth line that really worries me. Uh, but then there's goaltending, and I default to Matt. I love Jacob Markstrom. I absolutely, absolutely love Jacob Markstrom. I think he's going to be the reason this series goes five. Uh, Demko's not a half-bad backup either. I like their goaltending more than I like Minnesota's for sure. Uh Dubnik, man. If he gets it back, though, I think Minnesota's fine. Uh, even if he doesn't get it back, I think Staylock was – he was good enough behind the defense that they have. And I like Markstrom, but I don't think Markstrom's going to be good enough to steal this series for them, which is, I think, what they'll need because I don't see their offense matching up that well against such a strong defense that Minnesota's has. So I'm going with Minnesota in five. All right, I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Josh. I got to go with Vancouver. <laughs> to me, it really comes down to that goaltending matchup. You guys have pretty much hit the nail on the head, so I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Um, but Vancouver's defense, yes, it's somewhat suspect. But at the same time, during the regular season, Jacob Markstrom was able to still put up a 2.75 goals against average and a .918 save percentage. Now let's take a look at Devin Dubnik, who with that incredible let's defense, not. <laughs> with that incredible defense in front of him, averaged 3.35 goals against over the course of the regular season in 30 games. You can't tell me that that offense that is turned into something incredibly deadly in Vancouver with Pedersen and Besser isn't just going to run or roll right over Devin Dubnik. I just don't see how that's possible. Oh, they will. And that's why he's not going to play. <laughs> I, I think they go with Staylock. They have to. And here's the wild card that I haven't heard anyone talk about that I think could end up kind of being a really cool story for them. Go look at what Capo Kakinen did in five games from Minnesota. I'll, I'll pull it up too. Uh, but if my memory serves correct, 
Yeah, Kakadin uh, was their starter uh, uh, for Iowa, minor league team there. Kakadin, five games for Minnesota this year, 3-1-1, one, and one, 913 save percentage, 296 goals against. Now, the dude has five NHL games to his name. Uh, he's developed pretty nicely. He's 23, good fourth-round pick back in 2014. I would not be shocked to see Kakadin get a start. Maybe later in the series if they're having some issues. But I think he's getting a lot more consideration internally than a lot of other people realize. And if he can come in and be a Jordan Bennington, then Minnesota's got maybe not necessarily the goaltending advantage, but they're on par. Uh, So we'll see. I think he's a wild card that not a lot of people anywhere has really talked about. So I think that could be interesting. I will say, if we talk, go back to Staylock real quick, um, him and Markstrom are more even than people on the outside who don't look at the numbers might realize. Staylock has a 2.67 goals against this season, so that's better than Markstrom's 2.75. But then you look at the flip side of the save percentage, 0.918 save percentage. Uh, Staylock's got a 0.910. So... Both of these guys have been playing well, but you got to – when you flip the stats, you know, one's doing better but than the other one in each each category. So it's really yeah. going to depend on who gets hot, I think. If, it, if Markstrom gets hot, I give it to Vancouver. But uh, if Stalock is the hot one, then I'm, I'm gonna, I might have to give it to Minnesota. But I do – overall, I think I do like Vancouver more than I do Minnesota. So looking ahead, we got Calgary and Winnipeg, Flames and Jets. Uh, this could be one of the tighter series, I think. Um, you've got a very impressive defense that the Flames have put together, led by Giordano. Um, and then Winnipeg, the defense used to be really good. Now they've just got Josh Morrissey. He's basically the only guy left. Um, but the, the forward group is still mostly intact with uh, Mark Shifley, Patrick Line, and Kyle Connor leading the way there. Um, so, Matt, we'll get started with you. What are your thoughts on Calgary and Winnipeg? I think Winnipeg Calgary will be one of those series that I really enjoy watching. I mean, you look at the first two lines on both teams, and they, they each bring something special to the lineup. Uh, starting with Winnipeg, you look at Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler. I think that's one of the most underrated lines in the league. You have Shifley and Wheeler. Even though Wheeler's kind of declining and everything, he's still a playmaker. Shifley is one of the best two-way um, centers in the game. He can make a play. And then Connor, who consistently puts up 30 goals, he's really good. And then Goudreau, Monahan, and Lindholm on the other side, really good. They they have awesome chemistry. I think they'll be able to produce. Ehlers, Eakin, Line. I'm not necessarily happy with Eakin in the 2C spot, but I guess that'll do Line if he can turn it on. He can uh, make an impact. Yeah, and then a guy like Ehlers, for me, it's just he's uh, he can make an impact with his speed, drive down the lineup and everything. Uh, third line, Kopp, Lowry, and Roslevic, great players. I like the way that Lowry and Kopp played in the, uh, the playoffs a few years ago, and then Roslevic, again, someone who hasn't really made an impact at the NHL level yet, but could make an impact on the line. Um, Matthew Perot, um, Nick Shore, and Mason Appleton, I'm not sure what they'll be able to do or the impact that they'll be able to make, but Mason Appleton had a great year in the AHL last year. Matthew Perot is a guy that can go in there and block a shot or two and Nick Short from watching him on the lease I don't really I don't really like him but I mean he's a guy that can go in there and 
win some draws. Again, haven't really watched him a lot, but from what I've seen, I don't think he'll make an impact. Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello. I really like the acquisition of DeMello from Ottawa. I think he's good. I just don't think he's um, a number two good. Morrissey is the star on that back, um, on that blue line. He's he's a player that can go in there and be a power play quarterback. Um, Kulikov and Pionk. I think Pionk was a great acquisition for from the Rangers. I think they won that deal, getting rid of Truba and his contract. And then Bolio and Pullman, I'm not sure how I feel about that third line. Bolio is a guy that's been given a lot of opportunities but never been able to capitalize. And then Tucker Pullman, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really know a lot on him, but from what I've seen, I think he's a decent defenseman. And then looking at the goalies for Winnipeg, Connor Hellebuck, he's, I think, the, the guy who deserves to win the Vezina just because Vasilevsky and Rask are guys that had great teams in front of them and Hellebuck basically had no one. He's a guy that definitely won some games for them and in my opinion the best goalie in the league at this time and then touching base on calgary chuck michael backland and andrew mangiapane solid duo a uh, solid line i'm not sure if mangiapane will be able to get going but kachuk is a guy that can definitely get under people's skin as witnessed earlier in the season i don't really like calgary's third line of lucic bennett and dubey i mean bennett's a guy that was really high touted back when he was drafted hasn't really had a, an opportunity or he's had an opportunity but I don't think he's really taken it and ran with it Lucic is a guy that's just way past his heyday I don't think he'll have that much of an impact and then Ryan Jankowski and Reader again looking at comparing them to Winnipeg's fourth line I don't think both either of them make an impact they're just I think they're there to gain some ice time hopefully make a big hit or two and maybe chipping a goal if need be. And then looking at Calgary's defense pairing, Giordano and Brody, I really like him. Giordano won the Norris last year. He's definitely turned it on at the end of his career. And Brody's a guy that is definitely a steady presence back there. He can play a two-way game up in the offense as an option if need be, but definitely get back and drop back when uh, the play transitions the other way. Hannafin and uh, Rasmus Anderson, again, Hannafin's a guy that was Highly touted coming out, but hasn't really made an impact. Anderson, I really like the way he – I think he's he's played an underrated game. He's a guy that can go out and just make an impact, and he can make a hit, make a make an awesome first outlet pass, be a guy that can clear the net of any danger. And then I look at the third pairing of Calgary. They don't really do anything for me. And then looking at Calgary's goalie with David Riddick and Camden Talbot, I think – I think it's a decent pairing. I think Riddick is a goalie that can definitely win a few games for them. And Cam Talbot, I don't really know. I don't I don't really like him. I mean, he's definitely an option that can go in there and maybe win a game. But at the end of the day, both lineups are solid. I like their top two lines on the either team. I just think comparing Winnipeg's defense to Calgary's defense, Calgary definitely has the upper hand. And I think if they can all work together and get decent goaltending from Riddick and Talbot, that uh, Calgary will win in five. All right. So when I'm looking at Calgary and Winnipeg, that that Winnipeg defense is it's suspect at best. This there's nothing there that I see outside of Josh Morrissey and say they can be a solid contributor in the defensive zone. Pionk is decent. In the offensive game, I'm not going to sell him short there. 
Uh, he, he's great offensive D-man for Winnipeg, but, I mean, he's six foot, and I know six foot defensemen, I'm not saying they're worthless, but, I mean, you tend to want some guys with size in the back end. Um, I, other than the two of them, there's no one really that, there that I see that jumps out at me. I mean, you got DeMello, uh, Spisa, Kulikov. I mean, they're all – they're just kind of there. They're not – I don't see them as legitimate difference makers. And then you look at Calgary, who they've got on defense. You have uh, Noah Hannafin, Mark Giordano, TJ Brody, Travis Hamanick, Eric Gustafson. These are all names that – I don't know about you guys, but I know them pretty well. I've, I've been listening to these names for years, and they've been around the league for a while. They're all really good players. And then you look at the defense – defense. We look at the goaltending. So I understand Hellebuck is – really a hell of a goaltender he has carried Winnipeg to the position they are in now um but David Riddich somewhat underrated if you ask me as, as their starter I know they've got Cam Talbot there too but Riddich really he's more of a difference maker than you might expect I know the 2.97 goals against and the 0.907 save percentage don't exactly jump out at you as record-breaking stats or high-level stats but he's played well. He, it's not like he's been a bad goalie for them this year. And then, to me, I, that defense is all the difference because I think the forward groups are actually more even than others might think. Uh, and you've got an emerging Matt Tuchuk. You have an underrated backland. And then Johnny Gaudreau on the wing. That's an excellent top line. I think that they're all excellent forwards and are capable of producing solid offense. Um and then, like I said, Winnipeg, you've got, you've got Kyle Connor, you've got Mark Shifley, you've got uh, Patrick Line. They are all very capable. But the thing is, they're not going to really pr- provide too much in the defensive end. They're there for their offensive production. Um, so I, I think I got to give the edge to the Flames because that defense is just, it's so much stronger than Winnipeg's. I think it's really going to be the difference in this series, especially with the amount of depth that they have. If they don't have that depth, I say maybe it's a little different. But because they've got, such high-level defense all the way down the lineup, I, I just don't see how the Winnipeg Jets can overcome that, especially when they're being carried by goaltending right now. All fair points. I'm going five games. I'm going Winnipeg. So I'm going upset, 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 upset. Hellebuck's a big reason for me, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. Uh, Calgary's offense is kind of an enigma to me. Gaudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm was so, so good last year. And this year they've been so, so average. I, that team has had a stink about it all year, especially those three guys. I don't know what it is with Gaudreau, but his head and his hands are not connected the way they used to be. I've noticed a lot of issues with him this year. Monaghan, same thing, not really all the way there. Lindholm was more just what Elias Lindholm normally is instead of his crazy good season last year. I still don't think it's a bad first line, uh, but it doesn't match up that great when you look at Winnipeg and they've got Connor Shifley and Wheeler sitting over there, which is a top 10 line in the league. But then, (laughs) you know, I take into account your point. Do I trust a Gaudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm that's been okay but could light up against Morrissey and DeMello, who, no offense to either of them, is not on the same level as Giordano and Brody. Or do I trust a great first line against a great defensive pairing in Calgary? 
Uh, so I think that's more even than I made it seem to begin with. Uh, though I will take a couple minutes here to diss on Winnipeg, even though I think they're going to win. Cody Eakin is not a second-line center. I don't know whoever told them that. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, I get Brian Riddle's hurt. Uh, that really hurts them, I think, a lot more than people realize. I think if Brian Little isn't hurt, they're getting home ice advantage at least, uh, especially with how well Hellebuck's performed. But, man, Ehlers and Line A are great. But I, Eakin might be okay because he's surrounded by those two guys. I think he's a great third-line center. But once you're trusting him with that much responsibility, again, to go up against Kachuk, Backlund, and Manjapani, that's going to pose some center matchup issues for Winnipeg, uh, at least in the second line. Because then – Let's take a look at Calgary's bottom two lines. They're terrible. The only guy worth, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of, of Dylan Dubé to really comment on him that much. I like Derek Ryan. That's about it. Uh, agree with you on Lucci. He's done. Bennett, nothing. Jankowski was, again, really a nice surprise last season. But I think this, this year he was one of the worst players in the league. Uh, Tobias Reeder, again, does nothing for me. And then you look at Winnipeg, and their depth isn't great either, but they've got pieces that bring a lot more intrigue in terms of uh, the Cop-Lowry connection that they've had for a while. Jack Roslovic is a capable little guy that can be down there. Matthew Perot on the fourth line. I get he's more of a power play guy, but he can still produce down there. Mason Appleton, I agree with you, Matt. I like him as a nice little piece. Uh, and I just think, yeah, Winnipeg's defense is suspect. So is Calgary's depth on offense. Uh, Neil Pionk does not get enough love. Uh, Morrissey is good. I think Pionk was even better than Morrissey this season. I think Pionk was their best defenseman. I like DeMello too. Um, it depends. I think Kachuk is going to be Calgary's best player in this series. Uh, love him. I think he's going to do a lot of damage. But Hellebuck, man, I can't look at him and then go look at Talbot and Riddick and say it's anywhere close. Never got the nickname Big Save Dave. I've watched him in a lot of games. In a lot of games, he's been really good. But he just, I don't trust him when I watch him. He's like a guy that kind of surprises me sometimes. And because, you know, I, I don't know what it is about him. I'm not a huge David Riddick fan. I'm not a Cam Talbot fan either. I don't see the merit of one over the other, quite frankly. Uh, Talbot at least has the playoff experience. Riddick does not. I think both could could end up being better than I'm giving them credit right now. I don't think they're bad goalies at all. I just don't trust them in the way I'd trust Hellebuck, who not only had a Vezina caliber season, but also has shown that he can do it in the playoffs. I think if Vegas was not being Vegas two years ago, Winnipeg goes to that cup final, and I think they would have beat Washington. I think Winnipeg should have won the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. And Hellebuck is a big part of that. He's a great goalie. And I think just with the fact that Calgary is going to have some serious depth issues, uh, I think Hellebuck enough is able to get this out for Winnipeg. Though I don't discount what you guys are saying. This is going to be a really close series. I think there's going to be some OT games in here. Uh, but again, I just think Winnipeg has the very, very, very slight edge because of Hellebuck.
I do want to go back real quick talking about uh, Winnipeg's defense, uh, specifically Morrissey and Pionk. I went and just looked up their Corsi, their relative Corsi. So for anyone who is listening that may not understand what Corsi is, uh, it's the essentially the number of shots your team takes versus the number of shots taken on your net. So they're subtracted from. Um, so we look at Morrissey's numbers. He had a 1.3 Corsi this year. Um, so it's all right. It's roughly average. It's nothing special, but it's, it's okay. It'll get you by. And then he also had 31 points, five goals, 26 assists. Let's take a look at Pionk, and we're looking at a 45-point season. So much better in the offensive end. And then we look at his possession numbers, almost triple Morrissey with a 3.4. So that's something I didn't know until quite literally right now. So I got to say, Pionk has definitely been the, be- the better uh, defenseman for Winnipeg because you look at when he's on the ice, more shots than they're absorbed. So – Pionk's, I guess, underrated. Something I'm learning right now. So, uh, Pionk better than Morrissey, at least for this year. Also, one of the best names in the league, Pionk. Just can't not smile when you say his name. I'm not going to lie. The first time I saw that name on paper, I thought it was Poink. Well, yeah, I, I, I had to watch a Rangers game to figure it out. Um, Nothing made me laugh more than hearing Sam Rosen, of all people, try to say his name. That was great. All right, so now we're going to break down the round robin in the Western Conference. So we've got Colorado, Dallas, St. Louis, and Vegas all uh, vying for the, that top seed in the Western Conference round robin. So let's take a look at uh, who you all have. So, Matt, I want to start with you. What are your standings looking like for the round robin? Yeah, I mean – I had a really tough decision with this. All those, all these teams are really good teams that each bring their own special thing to the play-in. But I had St. Louis first. Um, I think for me, some people might disagree with me, but I, I really like St. Louis as a, as an entire team. I mean, defending Stanley Cup champions, the first line of Shen, Tarasenko, and Schwartz. I think getting Tarasenko back, they had a, an awesome season without him, but getting back one of their best players is definitely going to help. O'Reilly, Perron, and uh, Sanford. I think Sanford's a bit underrated. I really like what he does. He he does a bit of everything, and I think he can contribute. O'Reilly won the Conn Smythe. Um, absolutely one of the main reasons why the Stanley Cup went to St. Louis last summer. Um, Perron, ever since he joined Vegas and then went back to St. Louis, really, really good player. I like Sammy Blaze. I I don't know how much of an impact he'll have, but I think he's good. Robert Thomas is turning into a great two-way center. I really like him. Bozak is still producing the playoffs, a guy who has some playoff experience and definitely could help those younger guys out. And then the bottom line of Barbashev, Sunquist, and uh, Steen, I really like them. Watching them in the playoffs last year, they just they didn't stop grinding away, just going down low and hitting and just cycling the puck and doing all of that. And then... Once their D got tired, they just they never stopped, and then they were able to score a few goals. Um, looking at their forward, uh, their defense as well, I really, really like Petrangelo and Gunnarsson. Gunnarsson is a guy that can, although he may not be a number two guy, he can definitely still um, hold down the back end while a guy like Petrangelo can uh, open up and uh, exploit his offensive gifts. I think Dunn is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. He's definitely 
someone who, if he gets offer sheeted this summer, as we've definitely reviewed at Last Word on Hockey, it's definitely something that will benefit the team who does. I think he's ready to step up and um, get more ice time. I, I don't really like Falk. I mean, he's he's all right, but I just have never really seen him being able to make an impact. I think he's just, he's always played with a great defensive partner. And then I look at Scandella and Pareko. Pareko's a guy with a really long, he's tall, he's big, he can hit. Really good guy down there who I think could produce on offense as well. Scandella, I mean, he's he had a good years in Minnesota. I just, I think he's where he belongs. And then looking at the goalies, Bennington last year, one of the main reasons why they won the cup and Allen, I think he had a great season. Uh, definitely when Bennington had a few rough uh, runs, he uh, definitely calmed the storm and brought them back in. Looking at Vegas, my second team, uh, I just, I really like their all around team. I mean, a lot of people probably when they first came to the league didn't think they'd make an impact, but they've continually proved everyone wrong. Their top line, or I guess you could say their two first lines of the number one is Marcia So, Carlson and Smith three guys that were really good together. Pacioretty, Stone, and uh, Stasny, I really like them as well. They're, I think, 30-plus goals. Stone's a guy that can is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. And then, yeah, looking at Pacioretty, he had 30 goals. Uh, I really like uh, Stone, one of the best defensive forwards in the league. I think he led the league in takeaways a few seasons ago. And then Stasny, great acquisition in the offseason. I like Chandler Stevenson, Nick Waugh, and Alex Tuck. Great third line. Will Carrier, Nick Cousins, Ryan Reeves can produce. Reeves again can produce, and uh, hit. Definitely one of the the guys who you'll look upon to make a spark. McNabb, Schmidt, on their first pairing. Martinez, Theodore. Theodore is a guy that's definitely going to be, who I definitely see becoming one of the top offensive players or players from the back end in a few years. Nick Holden and Zach Whitecloud, they're an all right D. I don't see them making a big impact. Flurry and Lenners, where. This is why I rank them this high because although F- some people think Flurry's definitely um, overrated, I think him and Leonard is definitely one of the more solid pairings in the league. And then I have Colorado at three. Um, don't get me wrong. I definitely get their hype and everything. I absolutely love what they've put together. I just think there's teams that are more ready now. I think Colorado, some people may hate me for saying this, but Colorado is definitely going to start making a run maybe not this season, but in, definitely in seasons to come. They arguably have the best line in the league in Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen. Those guys are absolutely incredible. Nichuski and Kadri and Burkowski, they found their game again this season. They're a solid guy. Watching Kadri up in Toronto, fan favorite. I just, the way he, although he may run rampant sometimes, he's a guy that can definitely go in there and provide a spark. Nemesnikov, Comfer, and Donskoy. Again, solid third line. Don't really do anything for me. They're able to go out there and make an impact. And then Matt Calvert, Pierre-Edouard, Pierre Belmare, and Matt Nieto are guys that can definitely make an impact. But again, don't really do anything for me. Looking at their D, McCarr is one of the best young D in the league. Definitely deserves to win the Calder. Brian Graves is a guy who's good at defense, can block some shots. Sam Girard's a guy that also, like Graves, I think plays a similar style, but also definitely has a more expanded offensive game, can definitely provide... He's good at getting his shots through traffic and can definitely uh, quarterback a power play. Eric Johnson, solid D. Ian Cole and Nikita Zadorov. Zadorov is a guy that can definitely be that physical presence that they need on the back end, clear the net of some danger, make a good first outlet pass. Definitely can fight, definitely can hit. Um, this is why I maybe had them rank lower just because of their goalies. Um, I don't 
I agree that Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francouz definitely had great season, but none of them, with Francouz having his first, this being his first year in the NHL, he's, I don't, he's never had, he's been, never been exposed to the the Giants. That's the NHL playoffs. I mean, he could prove me wrong and lead them all the way. And I just, just I don't see him playing better than um, guys like Jordan Pennington and Flurry or Leonard. And then I have Dallas at fourth. I I like their lineup. They're solid. I just the teams ahead of them are definitely better. Um, Sagan definitely had it. He definitely slowed down a bit this season. Gurionov and Hits could make an impact. Looking at Ben, he was one of the best players in the league, and now he's completely fallen off a cliff. I like Dickinson. Don't really see him as a two, a second line center. Corey Perry is a guy that was great in Anaheim. Just don't see him making much of an impact. Matisse Yen, Mark Joe Pavelski, and Alex Radulov is a solid third line. I don't know why they put Alex Radulov on their third line, but I think if the if they make a run, it'll definitely be because he's uh, scored some big goals. Pavelski's always good in the playoffs. Again, I think one of the big reasons why San Jose has had much, a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot of playoff success in terms of winning Stanley Cups, but definitely one of the guys who've definitely made a big, a lot of runs in the past few years. Cogliano, Fax, Faxa, and Como, decent fourth line. Don't really see them doing anything. Um, Esselindello, John Klinberg. Guys that are good. Klingberg is a great offensive defenseman. He can definitely, he has a great shot. Helped them uh, win their first round series last year. Jamie Alexiak and Miro Heiskanen. Heiskanen's a great three guy. He's a great skater. He can make plays when he needs to. Again, all right with Alexiak. He's a big body. Don't really see him doing anything else. Andre Sekra is a guy that should be out of the league in a few years. Don't really see him doing much. Steven Johns, great on him. I Great story. I mean, him battling back with concussions and everything and being out of hockey for almost, I think it was a year or even longer than that. Two, almost two, yeah. Um, two. So someone who definitely fought back against the odds and who's definitely deserving of playing the game that he loves. Um, Bishop, I really like him. He was the big reason why. Um, Dallas almost beat St. Louis last year. And then Kudobin as well, really solid backup. But I just, looking at the other teams and then looking at Dallas, I just, I don't think Dallas stacks up well against the other teams. All right, breaking down my round-robin predictions, I got the Avalanche as my number one. To me, that is not really questionable whatsoever. That team has put together something really impressive at their top line. Uh, To me, Boston is the only top line that can even come close to rivaling this. And they and the Avalanche might be better. I mean, I've I love Boston and I love that top line. I love the perfection line, but Colorado's might be better right now. Um, when you're talking about Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and then Gabriel Landeskog, that's three of the premier forwards the NHL has to offer. So I don't really see how any team in the West, especially, is going to be able to combat that. That they're just too dangerous and too deadly that I don't think any defense of the other three teams in the round robin is going to be able to slow them down. And then you've got a guy like Nazim Kadri uh, on that second line. Uh, and then you've got Burakovsky there too. Um, and just, other, there's, they're so loaded with offensive talent. Now you've just added Kale McCarr, a rookie this year. So he's cheap too. So you don't, you don't have to worry about paying. You can pay other guys and you're still getting top level NHL talent, a top level defenseman. And then you've got Eric Johnson. I know he hasn't exactly lived up to his billing as a first overall pick, but he's still a solid defenseman. He's still going to, you know, be a, 
presence in the defensive end. So I know Grubauer and Franco, they're both relatively unknown as far as casual hockey fan is concerned. But Grubauer had a strong season. I think that this team is going to be the top in the, in the Western Conference. The Blues, my second team, defending Stanley Cup champions, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. There's nothing you can say about this team that's going to change my mind. Otherwise, that they deserve to be up there in my top half at the very least. I think they could potentially make a run all the way to the Western Conference Finals, if not the Stanley Cup Finals again this year. Uh, but that that team is it's scary good, especially with you get another hot Jordan Biddington. That team's going to be almost unstoppable if he plays the way he did last year. And then my third team, I've got to go with Dallas. Say what you will, Ben Bishop. Case in point, Ben Bishop. He is one of the best goalies in the NHL. Should be up for a, a Vesna this year. I don't see how anyone's going to beat that team, especially when you've got John Klingberg. John Klingberg's leading the defense there. And Miro Heiskanen, underrated if you ask me. I think he's still a, a solid – granted, he still has some development too, but he's a solid player for them. Uh, and then Tyler Sagan and, and Jamie Benn, it's a, it's a force to be reckoned with. And I understand that Ben's not exactly what he used to be, but Tyler Sagan is still a top-notch player. And then you add some veterans like Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski, again – not quite what they used to be, but they're still solid contributors. I don't see how they can be just discarded and thrown away in a conversation about that about these teams uh, and looked at as almost an afterthought. So they're still dangerous players, and they can still make a difference, at the very least mentoring some of the younger guys on the team. And then Vegas. So I would like to start this off by saying that I have zero hate against Vegas. I love Vegas. I love what they've been doing, especially that goaltending duo. Whoever they start on any given night is a top-tier starter. But at the same time, aside from Mark Stone, no one on that team really jumps out at me and says, I am a, a superstar player. I'm, I'm going to be the X Factor, whereas that's, that's what all the other teams have. These teams all have those superstar X Factor players. Vegas has great chemistry, but outside of Mark Stone, there's no one that I say you are one of the top players at your position in the NHL. So granted, they have good depth, they have great chemistry, and they find ways to win. But outside of goaltending and Mark Stone, I don't see how they can really compete with the rest of the teams in the round robin. Uh, well, I'm going to counter your Ben Bishop point. My counterpoint is Robin Leonard. Uh, and just, I, I've got Vegas first, by the way. My order is Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, then Dallas. Uh, Vegas is my pick to win the cup for what it's worth. Uh, against the Bruins, so you might be happy to know that. Uh, but yeah, I, you can put uh, Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen in the top line conversation. You can put Marshan Bergeron, Pasternak, and I'm going to throw Patcheretti, Carlson, Stone in there. Uh, I agree with you. Mark Stone is one of the best players at his position. No one else there is really the best player at their position. But Vegas went to the cup final without Mark Stone. And the reason why they got there is because they had the ability to roll four lines. They didn't win because they didn't have that X factor to take on Ovechkin. Well, now they do. And now they've also got Patcher ready. So you can have Marcheseau, Carlson, Smith. You can have them take just a bit of a back seat and let Pacioretty and Stone and Stasny and all those guys eat up some of those minutes. Uh, 
But here's the thing. Even though they have the elite talent now, they can still roll four lines. Uh, Alex Tuck, lost in the shuffle. Great player. Chandler Stevenson, love the guy. Great third liner. Nick Raw, Nick, Nick Waugh, it's a hard name. Uh, no one ever talks about the guy. He is a perfectly capable third-line center in this league. I watched a lot of Vegas this year. Uh, me being on the West Coast just worked out. Uh, there is just never a time when that team looks out of any game. I love Ryan Reeves. I love Bill Carrier, and I really love Nick Cousins as a fourth-line center. He is also criminally underrated. Moving to the back end, also criminally underrated. Like, everybody on their entire defense except for maybe McNabb, McNabb and Holden. Uh, Shea Theodore is going to be much more of an X factor than I think anyone else thinks. You look at a guy like Kale McCarr, I'd throw Theodore in that conversation too. I know he doesn't have necessarily the points that a McCarr or Hughes does, uh, but the two-way game is impeccable for someone of his age. Uh, and even moving down to the bottom pairing, uh, Zach Whitecloud. Kind of a diamond in the rough for Vegas. Uh, looked really comfortable every time I watched him. Uh, just there's not a single hole with this team that I can point out, except for maybe Flurry because he's been iffy. Uh, I don't agree with the decision to start him in game one. If that is what Deboer ends up doing, I think Robin Leonard should get every chance to prove himself. Uh, because he did with the Islanders last year. He didn't see a dip in his regular season performance. Uh, he just ran into a Carolina team that was purely better than the Islanders. They just were. Uh, but Leonard on a team as stacked as this is going to have an incredible playoff run. Uh, they're my pick to win the cup. They're my pick to go 3-0 and in the round robin. I don't think they lose a game. Uh, I got Colorado next. I think everything's pretty much been said about them. Uh, I'm going to give Gruby and Francois some credit here. Great goalies. I don't think they're the weak spot at all. I think the weak spot for them is uh, maybe not their fourth line, but their third line, especially when you look at how it matches up against a guy like Tucker Stevenson on Vegas. I'm not too psyched about Nemestikov. I'm not too psyched about Comfort. I like Donskoy, but paired with those two guys, not really great. Uh, I think everything else has pretty much been said. St. Louis, I see kind of just – I'd see them finishing over Colorado. It'd be hard just because I do think that top line of Colorado's is so elite. Uh, and I don't think St. Louis is really a third-place team. I just think Vegas is that good. Uh, Dallas, I got nothing else to say. I love Ben Bishop too, but, man – when you look at the rest of that roster, it just doesn't compare to me to anything that Vegas, Colorado, or St. Louis can offer. Uh, so I think it's going to be an easy three-game sweep. Well, not necessarily an easy one, but I think it's going to be a three-game sweep for Vegas and four series wins uh, en route to the Stanley Cup. All right. Uh, and so that does it for our round-robin predictions. Um, so something else, I want to rewind the clock to last week's episode a little bit. Uh, we were talking about our Calder nominees, the Calder nominees. Adam Fox, I know we I, we might have discussed him being a, a snub, but I didn't realize how much of a snub because I was looking at his defensive impact compared to the likes of 
Kale McCarr. And Kale McCarr had a better offensive season, absolutely. But you look at the defensive impact. The relative Corsi for Kale McCarr, I forget exactly what it was, but it was around a 2.6. And then you look at what Adam Fox did in New York, and he had a 7. So not only is that a jump, that is a gigantic jump. Yeah, that's incredible to me. Ah. <laughs> and the, the point totals, while there was a dip from Fox compared to McCarr, I think it was 7 or 8 points, that that defensive impact just jumps out to me. That, that, that puts Fox above McCarr to me. So I really think that Fox should be on there instead of McCarr. Um, but if we're looking at that too, then I think I got to change my Calder win. I got to give it to Quinn Hughes because I looked at his stats too, and he's got a six as his relative Corsi. So he had just as good of an offensive year as McCarr, but his defensive impact was almost as good as Fox's. Yeah, I guess – I'll, I'll agree with you here. I was looking at all of those guys in isolation I was talking last week. But you look at who McCarr has surrounded himself with, and a, a guy like Ryan Graves, who I think made a really big impact on McCarr's offensive production as well. And he's got Gerard and Johnson to cushion the blow too. Uh, Hughes has got Edler and no one else. Uh, he was really kind of the guy in Vancouver, uh, not as much as the guy McCarr was in Colorado. Sorry, the other way around. Hughes was just more crucial to that team's success. So I get that argument. And I'll get the argument for Fox, too, over Kubelik. I mean, Kubelik had a sneaky 30-goal season, but I feel like that was more of the byproduct of playing mostly with Adam Taze Kane. Not to discount him. Still a great year. But Fox, man, he's the only guy on that Rangers blue line that did anything that remotely resembled defense. Uh, you look at how many points D'Angelo put up, sure. But there's a reason he's on the third pairing at even strike. Uh, great power play guy, like his game, but uh, yeah, not great in terms of defense. Jacob Truba, oof. Brendan Smith, not good. Mark Stahl, really not good. Uh, so Fox and give Ryan Lindgren a little credit too. Uh, but yeah, he was really the only guy doing anything. So I will entertain that argument for sure. I mean, I can see where you guys are coming from with Fox. Great season. The only guy that really stood out to me on the Rangers line this past season. I can agree with you um, on that end. I think, again, touching base on Hughes, all he had was Edler. And then McCarr had the guy, the guys like Johnson, Gerard. At the end of the day, for me, it's still McCarr. Just because he played, I think, 15 less games than um, Hughes, and he had three less points for me. And that's just something that if he had if he had gone on a big long run, it I don't think it would be as close as some people think it is now. It'll be interesting to see how it happens, but definitely Fox is a snub off that Calder list. If you I think if you ask any of us, I think you'd be hard pressed if you showed the, this these stats to any hockey fan out there. I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who says that Fox was not deserving of at least a nomination. So yeah. Um, it'll be definitely interesting to watch as it comes down, but the Rookie of the Year award, uh, we'll definitely have a close eye on that when we get down to that time of year. Um, so that said, we're all about said and done with episode two of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. Um, Josh, any final thoughts today? I got nothing, man. I'm just still riding the wave from Seattle. It was a pretty good morning for me, uh, you know, being a Pacific Northwest native, uh, so I'm glad to see that the NHL is expanding into the right markets and doing it well. 
Yeah, I mean, one week closer to actual hockey. Can't wait for the NHL to get back. The addition with Seattle and how they handled it and everything was absolutely amazing. And uh, I look forward to speaking again next week. Yeah, and I got to say, Seattle's new logo and uniforms, outstanding. I'm loving them. Can't wait to see them actually on the ice and see what kind of team they put forward. I just hope they don't take any of our favorite players because <laughs> that's their entire – that's their Twitter uh, bio right now. It's just we're strategizing how we're going to take your favorite player. So uh, let, let's hope all our favorite guys stay safe and stay with our teams. I've already prepared my Leafs funeral for either Zach Hyman or Ilya Mikheyev, so – I'm emotionally ready for that. All right, so there we go. We've already got a couple of predictions from who's going to go to Seattle from Toronto. Uh, yeah. So with that said, thank you for listening to episode two of Throwing Haymakers um, and coming back if you listened last week. We'll have another episode out for you next weekend on Saturday, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're looking forward to talking some hockey with everyone again. And, uh, you know, definitely feel free to send us a message at, on our Twitter so at Throwing Podcast, you can follow us on Twitter for updates. We'll, we'll post when we have new episodes up. Um, so definitely give us a follow on Twitter uh, and check out all of our content there. So thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Peace.